Live Sent. Today, as we kick off this brand new message series, my, my hope and prayer is that God would open our eyes to the simplicity of living sent. My prayer is that we would, we would understand and he would help us to think clearly and accurately about what it looks like to be his disciples. And so we're not only going to define what it means when we say live sent, but we're going to try to, to almost see a biblical framework to what this looks like and how this plays out in our lives. So that when we leave here on Sundays and, and someone from this stage says, hey, you are dismissed, go and live as ones who have been sent, that, that we would leave here with, with an understanding. We'd leave here like with, with alignment and with a unified mission as we go out into the areas that we live, work, learn, and play. So you ready for this? Live sent. Showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Say it with me. Showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. One more time. Showing Some of you guys are thinking, that's, that's it. Like, that's how you define live sent. And then others of you might be thinking like, oh, sweet, that's easy. I, I can do that. And yeah, that's it. That, that's how we're going to define it. And yes, you should do this. This is the multiplication aspect of being a disciple. We, we are called to this as followers of Jesus. This isn't something in God's word that is set aside for some small minority of Christians that people would look at and say, man, they're just really radical that those people are so radical. Or I've heard people say, man, they are so on fire for Jesus. That's, that's awesome that there are people like that. No, no, no. This is for anyone who is becoming a fully obedient multiplier following Christ. If you're new here today or you haven't picked up on that yet, that's how we at Grace Point Church, we've just decided to define disciple. Not because there's just one way. We just want to provide some clarity. So we define a disciple, a follower of Jesus, as one who is becoming a fully obedient multiplier following Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, um, we find a passage of scripture that's famously referred to as the Great Commission. And so just to give you some context here, Jesus had lived a perfect life on the earth. He, he, he died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. Before he ascends into heaven, he speaks to his disciples, and this is what he says. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I, oh, and, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I will be with you always, even to the very end of this age. This last year, Barna Research Group, they did a study in the United States of churchgoers. And in, in the study, um, they surveyed how many people, um, how many churchgoers had heard of the Great Commission, what, what we just read through. 51% of churchgoers said that they are unfamiliar with the term the Great Commission. Like, man, I'm, I'm not even familiar with that. 51%. 25% said, yes, I've heard of the Great Commission, but I can't recall the exact meaning. 17% said, yes, I've heard of the Great Commission, and, and they knew what it meant. 6% of the churchgoers that they surveyed said, I'm not sure. And I don't, I don't know what this says about the church in the U.S. or for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, but Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, these are words that were spoken by Jesus to those who would go and start multiplying movements. I recently read somewhere 
that um, our, our, our purpose, our role as followers of Jesus is to introduce others to Jesus, actively become part of their journey as they become like Christ, and then teach them to repeat the process with others. So it's just a different way of saying show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. But again, let me simplify that. Our role as followers of Jesus is to introduce other people to Jesus, become a part of their journey as they become like Christ, teach them to repeat the process with others. Let me simplify it down one more time. Introduce people to Jesus, become a part of their life, teach them to repeat. Introduce people to Jesus, become a part of their life, teach them to repeat. Here's the thing about living sent. This idea of showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. This can't be an add-on. I'll tell you firsthand, uh, myself, as a husband who wants to lead and love his wife well, as as a dad who wants to to love and raise my children and and spend time with them and, and teach them things, as, as an employee and associate pastor here at Grace Point Church, passionate about the missions ministry, both globally and locally and serving people as a guy that just likes to hunt and fish and hang out and be with his buddies. I, I'm full to the brim. I'm maxed out. I, I can't really add anything else into my life. There's no space. But the thing about living sin is God is saying, no, hold on, back up. This great commission idea, when, when, when Jesus said, hey, go and make disciples, it was actually as you go, make disciples of all nations. This should intersect with our current daily rhythms. That This isn't an add-on. God isn't saying, hey, I want you to do more for me. Do more for the kingdom. Add this, find space for this. No, no, just as you live, where you go, where you live, where you work, where you play, where you study, live sent. Open your Bibles up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to begin in verse 14 of chapter 5. And I want us to take a look at a passage of Scripture where Paul refers to the church as representatives of Jesus. And so then from there, I'm just, I'm going to sprint through what I'm calling a biblical framework for living sent. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14, he writes this, um, For Christ's love compels us, Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And here's where Paul is going to describe what that ministry of reconciliation is. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. If we are going to begin living sin in the places that we live, work, learn, and play, then we need to understand that we are representatives of Jesus. Paul uses the word ambassadors. We are ambassadors. This is, a, this is a mindset shift. God calls his people to think differently. 
And, and I'll confess right now, this word mindset has been a word that I've gotten hung up on. Like o- over the past year, I've just, I've been thinking about my mindset in every situation and every circumstance. I'm hearing it when other people talk and they're just like, yeah, my mindset was just this. And it's just like popping out of every conversation. I'm kind of obsessed with this word. I don't know if you guys do that. On my way home the other day, um, my wife asked me to stop at Walmart, pick something up. And so it should have been a quick trip, uh, but it took a little longer than expected. I'm, I'm, I need something like off the top shelf. I don't remember what exactly is going on, but there's a guy who um, is standing right in my way and he has a shopping cart and he's, he's selecting something from the shelf and I'm, I'm waiting on him. He's in my way. And I, I don't know about you guys, but in our culture anymore, I feel like I'm entitled to like the utmost efficiency, like at grocery stores and in lines or on the road in slow traffic. So usually my mentality is basically, um, I've got people to see and places to be. Let's go people, you know, move it along. Here we go. But on that day in Walmart, I'm, I'm surprisingly kind of relaxed. I, I don't know why. I don't know if it was the end of the, the work week or what, but so I'm just waiting. And when he turns around, it was one of those kind of awkward moments where, you know, you realize that someone was waiting on you. And so he had one of those exchanges where he's like, oh, oh, man, I'm sorry. And I don't remember how it immediately went here, but he starts, we we start talking and he starts sharing with me his life story of the past year. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like my mindset is like, what are we doing here? You know, I just... I need my item. That's, this is, we don't do this in our culture. I'm ready to go. So, but he, he's telling me that he lost everything to a hurricane and that he's tired of living down south where a hurricane threatens his stuff every year. And so um, he, uh, he bought a camper north of Montana on the edge of Canada. And him and his wife just had made a road trip up to get the camper that he'd purchased and that they had built for him. And he's now residing in Bella Vista. But he takes his phone out and he's showing me pictures of the road trip. And he's like, hey, th- yeah, this is where we stopped here. And I'm like, I just, I just need my thing off the top shelf, you know? <laughs> but I, somewhere in that conversation, because it's about 15 minutes, 15 minutes, my mindset shifts. And I honestly believe that I'm going to share the gospel with this guy, like this random guy that's showing me his road trip. And I have this thought of like, oh my gosh, like what if I, I'm going to get to tell people like, I had this conversation, share the gospel right there in Walmart. I prayed this man received Jesus. Like my mind is going there and it never happened. It just, it didn't happen. I get my stuff. We go our separate ways and I'm going, God, I thought, okay, okay, I get it. God, you're, you're shifting my mindset so that I would be viewing every conversation in how to bridge the gospel. And I left there praying for that man remembering his face, knowing kind of the area he told me he resides in Bell Vista. I'm tempted to drive there, as crazy as that sounds. Say, hey, do you remember? Anyway, but my, my mind was there. To view ourselves as ambassadors of Christ, we have to understand that living sin is showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. And we got to recognize the places that we live, work, learn, and play as areas of influence that God has entrusted to us. We, we, we've got to see them that way. I can tell you firsthand, it requires a mindset shift, very disciplined and intentional thinking. I want to read something um, that my wife recently wrote. I just, I love her ability to express her unique perspective through writing. And so she, she wrote this and it's called mistaken identity. We live in a world of mistaken identity. My daughter has one. She likes to think that she's the boss. 
And we used to tell her it wasn't her world and she would get really angry and she would scream, it is my world. My daughter's three, by the way. Just because she likes to think of herself in one way doesn't mean that it's true. We live our lives on earth with the mindset that we are a certain person with a certain purpose. We build our lives around this identity, defining it by what the world tells us is success or desire. We continually redefine who we are based on the latest trends, cultural shifts, or social circles that we are around. We are often like my daughter. We want to think of ourselves as independent creatures, making our own decisions and thinking we're something that we are actually not. Just like she will eventually grow up and learn that this truly isn't her world, we need to grow up and realize that it isn't ours either. We need to reset our mindset. We need to remember who we actually are. This is pivotal to us fulfilling our purpose on this earth because what we forget is that our identity has already been defined. Our purpose is designated, not by the external pressures that we so often look to, but by the everlasting hand of God. While we strive for individuality, God wants to remind us that we are all the same. Our identity is not our own. We have one singular name and one singular purpose. Bride of Christ is our name. Glorifying him is our purpose. Let us shift our mindset. Let us not be conformed to this world. Let us embrace the reality of our identity. To live sent, one needs to have the the proper mindset to begin seeing that the areas that God has entrusted to you as areas of influence where God is actually seeing you as his sent ambassadors. Go, I am sending you. Check out Acts chapter 17, verse 26 and 27. Luke writes, um, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the set, the time set for them and the exact places where they should be. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. It's no accident that you live where you live or you work where you work or you you like to study where you study or you like to play where you play. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation through Christ. And don't forget Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5, 14. It's Christ's love that compels us. You see, kicking off this message series today flows perfectly from what Randy Willis preached last week. And if you missed it, man, go go back and listen to it online. Living scent flows from the hope that we have in Christ. That's our source. We don't live as scent trying to earn favor with God. We live as ones who are sent, showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people because we cannot keep our mouths shut about what has been done on our behalf. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for him and was raised again. This sets us apart from religions. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. We have to shift our minds to understand that we are living from God's approval and not for God's approval. What Jesus accomplished through his life, death, burial, and resurrection allows us to live sin. It gives us purpose. Amen? All right, I need the proper mindset. You know, I I get it. Okay, I'm going to start the guys in Walmart. Like I'm going to try to get there, you know, everywhere I go. But what next? Your lifestyle begins to change. Your your daily rhythms, your priorities, everything begins to shift. And so I've kind of outlined this here. You find yourself taking steps of faith to live sent. Number one, while living in biblical community. You find yourself taking steps of faith to live sent while living in biblical community. Acts chapter two. 
verse 42 through 47, we see this in its most pure and raw form. And again, just to give you a little bit of context, Jesus came, lived the perfect life on earth, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead. Um, he, he's, he's, he's going to ascend into heaven, but he speaks the great commission to his disciples and said, hey, here's what I want you to do. There's go multiply, go make disciples as you go, all nations. And then he says, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm gonna send a helper to be with you. And Jesus leaves and where he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And the believers that were there on earth and those who had been with Jesus, men and women, the, these, this core group of disciples, the, the apostles, these people who'd seen his miracles and been a part of his ministry and heard his teaching and this following he'd created, they're there and they don't have Jesus. And so th- this is what we see in Acts chapter two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Living sent begins with a mindset shift. And then our lifestyles begin to take a different shape. We start to show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people while living in biblical community. <laughs> why, would we, why would we do that? You know, what, what does that look like? Uh, almost kind of a, a circular answer here, but we would do that because our mindset would be about living sent. I mean, think about this. If our minds, when we left our homes or we were driving somewhere to accomplish a task, were about sharing and and showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people, we would want to gather with other believers on a consistent basis out of excitement to share and report out on what happened, to to receive encouragement and maybe how to talk about it differently or how to approach someone differently, to give encouragement, to, to, to pray together, to spend time together. We, we find the answer in the passage of scripture that we just read. There was a devotion to God's word. And that's like the fuel that, that they were taking in before they got back out there and got after it again. And, and we're living sent. They were giving generously to those in need. They were spending quality time together. They were worshiping together. Are you willing to take this step of faith to live sent? Because maybe for you, you might want to check out our North Point new members class in mid-September. This is, this is our inroad to becoming a part of this community here at Grace Point Church, where, where we share what God's word teaches about being the church, being a part of the church, contributing, giving, what, what he's calling us to do. And maybe it's time God's like giving you that nudge, go like, man, commit, become a part of a community. Maybe for you, you're like, man, I'm here, I'm at the church, I'm just not really plugged in. Listen, you've heard these things that we call communitas groups. Go talk with, with Wade Bryant about our communitas groups. He, he, he's, he's leading them. He's overseeing them. He, he's, he's praying about the direction that they're going. He's meeting with leaders. He's trying to form more biblical communities that would then multiply out and start gospel movements. Go talk with them. He'll be out in the gallery after this. Maybe, you, uh, maybe you're in a women's group through our women's ministry. Maybe you meet with a group of men. Maybe you've got friends that you're doing life with. Pastor Mike, he, he says quite often, he says, um, you need to have one another's in your life. So, so I'd ask you, who are the one another's in your life? Who are you confessing sin to? Who are you encouraging? Who are you praying with? Who are you, who are you holding accountable? Who's holding you accountable? There's a group of guys that um, I, I meet with every single week. And we meet late night because we're married. We have kids. Uh, again, not a lot of time. And so 
once things calm down, like we just sacrifice several hours every night of the week, kind of after hours to, to encourage each other, to dig into the word, to, to spend time together, to, to, to share our struggles, to call each other out. And uh, man, we've all experienced the value of it. We, we've been through tough times and, and needed to, to receive encouragement, um, to give encouragement. And, and every one of us in the group, we have said, hey, look, if we're not growing through this community, to become better followers of Christ, better husbands, better dads, better bosses, better employees, then why are we sacrificing hours every week to do this? And so we, we want to grow as disciples, but we also want to grow in all those different areas of our life. My wife and I, we, we meet together with a group of people every week. We, we, we study the word together. We eat together. We hang out. Um, we do what we call discovery Bible studies here at Grace Point Church, where we just often ask, hey, what does this passage say about God? Like the characteristics of God, what do we see about him? What does it say about man? That's us. And um, how am I going to apply this to my life? M- my wife and I both, we, we've said this before. We don't know how people that aren't plugged into a church community um, really navigate through marriage and family and life because knowing the struggles that we've been through and the times that this church has been there to love and encourage us, I would hate to think how people navigate through life's difficulties and trials without a church family to love them and care for them. So what does biblical community have to do with living sin? Well, I, I read the answer, but I'm going I'm to highlight it. The result of living in biblical community with one another Verse 47 of that chapter, we see a glimpse of it. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's legit biblical community. That's not, that's not just fellowship. That's not just spending time together and hanging out and leaving feeling good. That, that, that is a multiplying movement right there. You know why? Because when you take steps of faith to show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people while living in biblical community, I think people notice. I think that they want in. And I think they want more of just this feeling of inclusion, but they want to contribute to something larger than themselves. And so when curiosities are piqued about the one and others that you have in your life, man, I'm a firm believer that God opens up doors. He draws others to himself. He gives us opportunities to live sent. You also find yourself taking steps of faith to live sent where you live, work, learn, and play. And we've been saying this for a while now, and maybe some of you are tired of hearing it, but it's important that we understand the details of what this looks like. And we see several examples of this in the New Testament. Um, I believe all of them are necessary, but God is going to use each of them at different times. But in the, in the New Testament, just a, just a quick flyover, a few brief examples here. Taking steps of faith to live sent where you live, work, learn, and play. We see it done through invitation. We see it done through demonstration. And we see it done through articulation. Like what I did with the shins there. That was pretty good, wasn't it? That's, I think that's a Baptist thing or maybe a preacher thing. I don't know. But invitation. Let's start with that. John chapter 1, verse 40 through 42. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. He brought him. A few verses later, Jesus tells Philip to follow me. Philip turns around and finds a guy named Nathaniel and says, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. And he invited him. You got to come. 
In John chapter four, there's this story about a woman who has quite the reputation in her hometown. And she invites the people of her hometown to come and meet Jesus. And I'm not going to unpack this in detail because Mike is going to really get into this during this series and talk about this idea of invitation and pursuing people. But I just wanted you to see today that an actual verbal invitation for people to know Jesus is evident in scripture. So I'd say it's, it's pretty important that we don't just do good things for people, but that we actually invite people to meet the savior of the world. When was the last time that we even invited someone to come to church with us? If this, is, if this is our community, if this is where we are plugged in, if this is where we are experiencing Jesus, oh my goodness, why would we not want to say, oh man, you got to come be a part of this. Hey, you got to come check this out. Hey, 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 just come join in. You don't got to understand everything, but man, you should come. I put all these scripture references in your worship guides. Um, which means they're, they're on the notes in your Bible app as well. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm just going to take a quick commercial pause because the YouVersion Bible app has a place that Grace Point keeps all of the notes. You can kind of see it right there. Go down to more and go to the events. Um, come find me after the service. I'll walk you through it because we all have phones and this is an awesome resource. We've had this for a while and a lot of people don't know we've got it. And I find myself during the week going, oh man, Mike said something on Sunday. Oh, I can't remember what it was. But now that I've got it on my phone, I just go, oh yeah, that's what it was. And I, it saves every week. So sorry for the commercial break, but you got to check this out. Live sent where you live, work, learn, and play. Taking steps of do that. Um, the, the next one I want to talk to is demonstration. And this might sound crazy, but in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. And, and here's kind of where things get a little bit crazy. Jesus goes on to say, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay, hold up a second, Jesus. You're saying that if I love like you love, people will know that I'm a follower of you? Isn't that incredible? We can point people to God simply by showing the love of Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. And obviously this isn't the one and only way that we're called to point people to God, but how cool is it that if we are becoming fully obedient multipliers following Christ, which includes authentic love for other people, that they will know we follow Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you're one of those people that just thinks that people are stupid and you just hate people because people mess things up, you're like, I really just don't like people. I don't want to be around people. Uh, well, first of all, we, we are people, so we're all stupid and we all mess things up. That's just who we are. But God calls us to love each other, just like he came and loved. Living sin requires a mindset shift. It, it, it's not easy recognizing yourself as an ambassador of Christ or thinking about every area, aspect, and situation of your life as an opportunity to point people to Jesus. But this is what it's all about. Demonstrate his love, show his love. Jacob and Annie Walker, um, a couple of members here at Grace Point, they opened up their home last week to three, um, three international students, three guys from Iraq, Iraq, Iraq. Is it Iraq? Iraq? Iraqis. Iraq. What is it, Lori? Iraq? Yes. Iraq. Yeah. Lori would know. Okay. Iraq. <laughs> Sorry. Sidetrack. Um, they opened up their home. University of Arkansas reached out and said, hey, we've got this host home opportunity. Do you have any members that'd be interested? And Jacob and Annie said, hey, well, I don't know what it entails, but we'll do it. And you see their kids there. They're, I mean, they're making friends for life across the world right here. And um, 
I had an opportunity to sit down with them because they told Jacob, hey, we, we want to see your church. And so Jacob brought him up to the church at one point. And um, I made him some coffee in the Beyond Borders Cafe and a couple of them just wanted hot cocoa, but it turns out we had that too. So you guys in the cafe are awesome for all the stuff you keep in there. It's serving people around the world. But for over an hour, we, we talked as we shared cultural differences and we laughed together and, and Jacob got to spend two nights with him, you know, but man, the, the opportunity that I had just to talk with them and explain to them, hey, this, this building isn't necessarily the church, but the church is a community of people who love Jesus. That was a little bit hard for them to understand. Man, it, it, it kind of it impacted them. And they were impacted by the generosity of Jacob and Annie that would open up their home to complete strangers. And so I asked them, I said, hey, what was your, was your uh, perception and, and what you visualize for America, like an American home, did it match up what you've experienced since you've been here and you even got to stay with Jacob and Annie? And they said, absolutely. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, how, how did you, what, what did you visualize before? They're like, oh, it's just like the movies, you know? They have a small family in a beautiful neighborhood and a big house. They even have a dog in their house. And it's like, they, they, I feel like we have a camera and we're on the movies. <laughs> and the guy, they were just excited. They're just so full of excitement. And then I began to ask them, Hey, kind of your perception of what you visualized of, of a church, an American church building. Is this kind of what it was like? And they said, no, it's, this is completely different. And I said, well, kind of talk through that. What are you talking about? Well, they, they didn't understand that they could actually come to church on Sunday. They left out. They're not here, but they didn't understand that they could come to church wearing what they're wearing and not be judged. They didn't understand how we could be serving coffee in a coffee shop or have artwork of tattoos that tell stories up in our gallery. They didn't understand. But whenever I was able to explain to them, hey, think about this. The people that come in, they get to experience Jesus and then they might come back again. And, and, and all because they just grabbed some coffee or they came to a place where they felt comfortable. They go, oh man, that's, that, that's so good. And these, these are three Muslim guys. And they said, that's, that's not how we pictured church. And that's not like our religion back home. And Jacob told me when they leave to, left here that they had some really good conversation. And so we're just, just praying that seeds have been planted, but what an opportunity to demonstrate the love of Christ. The walkers just opened up their home. Maybe one of the most difficult ways to live sent where you live, work, learn, and play is through articulation. An actual verbal sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ, um, often referred to as the gospel. Second Timothy four, verse two says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Man, that's in season and out of season. That's, that's every season. First Peter three fifteen, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. In a class that we offer here called West Point World Changers, we lead a session called Sharing Your Story, where participants begin to get equipped in how to articulate the transformation that's taken place in their lives. And I always say, look, if you've experienced grace and transformation in your life, then you have a story of grace to share with others. You can sign up for West Point online. You can check it out. We'd love to see you there. And a couple months ago, uh, we sent out a survey to all of our members on the things that prevent us from sharing our faith where we live, work, learn, and play. Said, hey, what, what's, like, just what's some of the reasons that it's tough? And we listed all the reasons in, in this email. And we said, hey, check all that apply. Across the board from our members that filled out the survey, uh, around 200 people, you know what the common denominator was for why it's difficult and why I don't share my faith where I live, work, learn, and play? 
because it's awkward. It's, it's awkward. But you know it would make it less awkward? Practice. Repetition. You remember the first time you ever rode a bike? But that was awkward. How about, how about the first time you drove a car? It's probably awkward for your parents. Um, I, uh, I, I bought an old pickup just south of Fayetteville um, four or five years ago, a stick shift. First stick shift I ever owned, I drove it home. <laughs> Man, that was uncomfortable. I, did, I didn't crash or anything, but um, I stared at the gear shifter the whole time. Like, how do you do this? And now I'm, I'm super comfortable with it. And I'm planning on, on teaching my boys to drive it. I think, I, I think I'm going to do that. And I remember the first time I ever did CrossFit. And this is probably a terrible example because that was actually the last time I ever did CrossFit. But people just absolutely punishing their bodies and then encouraging everyone else to do the same thing. Mike and you CrossFitters are crazy, but the the results are there. Um, Aside from all the injuries you self-inflict on yourselves, the, the results are there. But it's obvious the shape that you're in because you pushed through knowing that all those awkward moments... We're going to be for something. The awkward moments of, of, of initially not even being able to coordinate it, coordinated to do some of those exercises and lift the weights or maybe the awkwardness of sweating profusely with complete strangers. There's a lot of examples of awkwardness, but <laughs> practice may not lead to perfect, but it definitely allows you to get the reps in and to make adjustments and improvements just like every single time you articulate and you share about your faith and your story also that somebody can get a glimpse of the hope that you have. Paul writes in Romans 10, he said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news. But then he asks these questions in the same verse. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Live sent. Get prepared to show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Uh, Just in this kind of biblical framework of this this morning, um, the, the final aspect of this, I could just sum up by saying live sent to the ends of the earth. Live sent to the ends of the earth. Go, pray, give. Not in that order. It's not an equation, but everyone has a role to play in living sent to the ends of the earth. Again, the great commission, as you go make disciples of all nations, that when Jesus gave that to see this multiplying movement take off, this, this didn't just stop with those men. These are disciples who are becoming fully obedient multipliers following Christ. As disciples, man, we, we have a role to play. If you're a goer, then, then what are you waiting for? Let's go. Randy said last week he's got spots open on a trip he's taking to South Asia. Expedite your passport if you don't have one. If you've got a passport, but there's all these other excuses, come talk with me and I'll be like, hey, yeah, that's legitimate and that's legitimate. And we need to plan ahead or we need to think, we need to move some budget. I don't know, maybe you're not a goer, but if you're a goer, let's go. Live sent to the ends of the earth, showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people where we meet person after person who's never heard the name of Jesus. That's hard to fathom, isn't it? As we're here in the Bible Belt of Northwest Arkansas. 
But GraceLink goes to places and invests in partnerships where we share the gospel and we might lead out with, hey, have you ever heard the story of Jesus? Or do you know who Jesus is? Oh, man, we got some work to do. You know, can, you believe, can you imagine talking with someone that's never heard the name of Jesus? And we've got a dozen Bibles sitting around our house. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're like, I just can't go. Or maybe you're just not, maybe you're just like, man, I, I could go, but God has called me to support and send. Then faithfully pray. And, and, and don't, don't use prayers like, man, I, I'll be praying for you guys. No, no, no. If you're going to pray, then man, intercede on behalf of our teams that go and face spiritual warfare or their families that stay behind face spiritual warfare through a ton of various ways. Form prayer teams. We got a prayer room if you want to use the church. Form teams to come up and staff that prayer room 24-7 with rotations of people that can be praying for these teams that we commission to go out. They can be praying on national days of prayer or, or big holidays of other religions where we say, be praying for all these people who are lost in this location. You want to be a prayer? Then pray, do it, get serious about it. Live sent, get financially. I mean, we, we provide global venture scholarships and thank you for your generosity and giving because every Christmas at Grace Point, we take up a special offering. A portion of that goes to our global venture scholarships that offset cost for our covenant members that say, hey, I wanna go. But there are people that continue to go and go and go and go. And those people begin allocating their own budgets of their families to go, but sometimes still just don't have all the means to get there. And there are people in this church that say, man, I could go, but God has given me this and I'm going to leverage it and I want to be a sender. And so I'm going to leverage my finances and I'm just, I'm going to send. Do it. Living sent is showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. And it requires a different type of thinking a completely different mentality as you regard yourself as a sent ambassador of Christ. And then you take steps of faith to live sent while living in biblical community, living sent where you live, work, learn, and play and to the ends of the earth. We had um, what we call a global adventure 360 last Sunday. Um, a, a GA 360 at Grace Point is a time when a team has been sent out and they've returned and they just, they want an outlet to share. So man, we provide coffee and snacks and we, 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 we let them speak and share from the experience and, and how God grew them and changed them and how receptive the people were, how different the culture was. They share funny stories. People ask questions that come to hear. And the people that go on, on these global adventures, if their trip is contained to an experience that they had where they just made memories that they're never going to forget. And once they're back, if their journey comes to a complete stop, once they've told everyone they're related to and everyone that they work with about their, their experience, man, it would be a miss. It, it would be a miss. And so um, Wade and I were just talking about this the other day. I, I always ask the team members when we're at these GA 360s, hey, what's next? What's next? And I don't mean like, where, where's the next trip you're going on? I mean, that might be it, but man, what if God's calling you to move? What, what, what's God calling you to change here in your life? What adjustments do you need to make to live sent now that, now that you've actually been across the world and seen the hope that other people have and the, what they do with it? What's next? And so this morning I'd ask you, what's next? I pray that we don't live with mistaken identities, thinking that this is our world. There are people so far from God, as soon as we exit these doors, that God is calling us to pursue 
with the hope that we have. Live sent by showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Let's pray. Father, would God, you, would you remind us, God, weekly, daily, maybe hourly, that we have been given this, this ministry, the message of reconciliation. God, that we are ambassadors for Christ. God, that we have been made righteous because you allowed Jesus to come and die on our behalf. God, awaken us to this. God, as we pray for an awakening in Northwest Arkansas and around the world, God, awaken us to live sent. God, to to make the proper steps, to get equipped, to get training, to get our reps in, to make time and priority to practice, being able to articulate the hope that we have. And not so that, not so that it, it, it's condensed and it's structured and it's framed in and it, and it just sounds rehearsed. God, but so that we would, we would prioritize the information, the hope of salvation that we have in a way that we could communicate it, that people would receive it, that they'd be moved by it, that they'd be stirred. God, when we leave here on Sundays and we say live sent, God, I pray every time that that is spoken from this stage, God, that we would take it seriously and we would leave here commissioned to go and show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. God, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.